Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. From DeFacto Sound, you're listening to 20,000 Hertz, the stories behind the world's most recognizable and interesting sounds. I'm Dallas Taylor. This is a little glimpse of what it's like to be a voice actor. Ever since Mickey Mouse whistled those first notes while steering his boat in Walt Disney's 1928 short film, Steamboat Willie, the public has been fascinated with animated characters who have funny voices. Just two years later, in 1930, Warner Brothers launched Looney Tunes to compete with Disney's Mickey Mouse shorts. Originally designed to promote Warner Brothers' music catalog, these cartoons became more famous for their characters, a majority of which were voiced by one man, Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc brought to life enduring favorites, Bugs Bunny, What's up, Doc? Daffy Duck, <laughs> and Porky Pig, <laughs> along with 397 more characters in his lifetime. He is sort of the iconic voice guy. Anyone who grew up on any of the Bugs Bunny cartoons or anything like that, his voices are just part of your subconscious. I am Christopher Sabat. I am a voice actor. Even to this day, anyone from any age, you can kind of use a, yeah, can you make that sound a little bit more Yosemite Sam? And everybody knows what you're talking about. Like, he's just such an iconic voice. Mel Blanc was soon followed by other iconic voice actors. There was also June Foray, best known as Rocky from Rocky and Bullwinkle. Bullwinkle, you can't do that! Don Messick, the original (laughs) Scooby-Doo. And Dawes Butler, also known as Yogi Bear. Don't worry about me, boo-boo. These actors paved the way for contemporary favorites like Christopher Sabat of Dragon Ball Z fame. Yes, I can feel it. The power coursing through my veins. And Sissy Jones, the voice behind award-winning video games, including The Walking Dead and Firewatch. You're out hiking in 90-degree heat, and I get to do crosswords. Isn't life miserably unfair? When asked to describe their own voices, they had this to say. Man, what does my voice sound like? Uh, (laughs) How would I describe my voice personally? I'd say my voice would be like if Don LaFontaine, the famous trailer guy, was just your bro and uh, you guys were totally tight. Uh, If Charlize Theron were maybe an overtired mom? My voice is like a muscle car that has a really nice interior. No, that doesn't work either. (laughs) Your best mom friend who changes your kid's diaper so you can have a margarita. Let's see, my voice is like Nutella. If you put it on a really good bread, but it's also really warm too, like you've toasted the bread first. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, that about sums it up. Both Christopher and Sissy have incredible ranges, and I wanted to know what it takes to create so many different kinds of characters. I think it's different for 
each person. What I do think is very similar between a lot of different voice actors is that we become voice actors because we have an ability to quickly look at something and decide what kind of voice that thing needs. I look at people's teeth and I look at their eyes because does that person look up tight? Does that person have a really tight face and so you kind of scrunch your face up a little bit? Does that person look really formal? Uh, they, they look kind of, they look real looser, like they, they're real jolly. Or it, you kind of have to imagine or ask where the person's from or, you know, uh, what sort of life they've had. Or uh, there's just all these subtle factors that go into finding a voice. And then a lot of times you just look at that person, you go, oh, that looks like my Uncle Johnny. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you just kind of draw voices from things in your life. For Sissy Jones, character development starts with finding the answers for lots of questions. Who is this person? What are their dreams? What are their fears? What is the first thing they think of in the morning and the last thing they think of as they're going to sleep? What excites them? What terrifies them? In terms of scenes, who are they talking to? What are they talking about? Where are they? Are they, is this this a very intimate scene? Or are they shouting across a field to one another? Is this a battle scene and I'm going to start screaming and throwing blows? Really understanding who the person is in terms of what has gotten them to this scene and then what the scene is. A lot of it is made up in my head. A lot of times we don't get what the scene is. Sometimes we don't even get the the actual name of the game if it is a video game or, you know, whatever. We just have to make up whatever came before this line that I'm supposed to say that, that makes absolutely no sense. But I have to make it make sense. If I don't believe it, why should anybody else? You know, when I was working on The Walking Dead, I used to come home and have nightmares about the zombie apocalypse. I remember the last scene I did for Katya, and I had my, spoiler alert, death scene. So I'm sitting in a booth in L.A., and the directors are in San Francisco, and I gave my big emotional moving thing, and I just hear, um, yeah, that was great. I think we can move on. (laughs) And I was like, okay, my job here is done. Sissy actually played nine different characters in the video game series, The Walking Dead. I played Katya, Jolene, Bree, Dee, Shell, some randos, a couple guards. And uh, most recently for Michonne, I played the, the main bad guy, Norma, and another woman in a dream sequence named Vanessa. Jolene was just crazy. She was in the woods and she'd been alone for a while. She was just crazy. You know, and then Brie was, you know, she was suffering from cancer and she was real angry about a lot of things. Norma was just angry. She was running stuff and she didn't like what she saw going on. Katya was a, she was a Belgian immigrant. She had been living in the United States for uh, 14 years, but she was very sweet and matronly and... Katya gets very upset when she's panicked and she cries a little bit, but she's not too crazy because her husband is usually the one that goes crazy. Um, but she, she maintains, she maintains decorum to a degree unless she's, you know, getting run down by zombies and then it hits the fan. I developed the accent by following around a Belgian friend of mine with a tape recorder for far too long until it became awkward and just played it back and listened to him before every time I had to record, before every session, before the auditions. I believe I had a weekend. I got the audition on a Friday and it was due on a Monday and I just followed him around like, talk more, talk more. He was like, you're really getting on my nerves. But he loved the final performance. It comes down to understanding who the characters are and what makes them different before picking a voice, if that makes sense. And, and that is true for 
any character in voiceover. You never want to go for the voice first because it's not believable. Find out how Christopher keeps it believable, even with unbelievable characters. And learn an industry secret about trailers from Sissy. Next. The hardest part of starting a business is coming up with a great idea. For every air fryer, video doorbell, or smart speaker that's sold in huge numbers, there are thousands of others that never made it. So that's the hard part. Now, here's the easy part. Selling online with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You don't need to know how to code or understand anything about design. And you definitely don't need a degree in accountancy. Just choose the template you like, upload some descriptions and images, and you're ready to start selling. You're probably already using Shopify and don't even realize it. That's because according to their own data, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Huge companies like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen use Shopify, along with millions of other entrepreneurs from 175 countries around the world. Here's how you can get started. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash 20k, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash 20k now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash 20k. Indeed finds highly qualified candidates for any job as quickly as possible. That means when you've got a major deadline and need to hire right now, Indeed lets you relax. So how does it work? First, Indeed has 350 million regular visitors each month. In other words, you have a huge group of talented people to choose from. Then, Indeed's AI-powered matching technology helps you pick out the right person for you. It's like searching for a needle in a huge haystack. But with a giant Indeed-shaped magnet. And in an Indeed survey, 93% of those businesses said Indeed delivered the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com Hertz. Just go to Indeed.com Hertz right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's crucial to focus on believability, even when working with larger-than-life characters, like Christopher does in anime. Because if the audience doesn't buy it, it can pull them right out of the story. When he does the English versions for shows and films originally made in Japanese, he can look at the character's facial expressions and adjust his voice accordingly. I do a lot of voices on a show called Dragon Ball Z. Okay, so to go through... All right, uh, we'll start at the bottom. Uh, One of the lowest characters I play is this guy named Piccolo. Uh, Piccolo kind of has two emotions. He's, he's either just kind of cool and, and calm, or he's like Yana Gohan or something like that. On the other end of the spectrum, it's almost the same voice, except where Piccolo is very low in my voice, Vegeta's very high, comes out of the nose, and has this weird, like, British thing. But if I take the scratch out of it and then make it not as British... Then I've got, like, this guy named Yamcha, who's, like, this totally dorky guy. But then if I put the scratch back into it, and then I make it go like this, 
I become this character named Berta. He's he's got this lispy weird thing going on. But then if I go back down to to Piccolo again, I then can open up the back of my throat and I can do this guy named Raccoon. And uh, believe it or not, of all the voices I've ever done, that's the one that hurts the most because I have to tense up these muscles in the back of my throat and it hurts real bad sometimes. So, yeah, a lot of voices kind of are, are just so close to one another, but yet you, you can add like an accent or a, a lisp or uh That Berta voice has this lisp in it. And Rikuma, I do this thing with my throat and my mouth too. And then right in the middle, it's, it's closer to my voice. His name is Zarbon, and he's just like a normal guy. It's close to my voice, except with a, a slight British accent to him as well. Ooh. Sometimes when I'm choosing a voice, I do pick, you know, whether this is in my upper range or my lower range, or I just try and find somewhere along my vocal cords to make a sound, and I just try and keep it there. But voice acting isn't just about being able to do different character voices. Most voice actors, including Christopher and Sissy, do a lot of commercial work, too. Commercial is what you're going to book most often. Commercial is where you will make money. When you start getting into kind of modern commercials where they're wanting really natural-sounding voices, and that's where you're, you're almost having to take out as much support of your voice as possible. It's the sound you make when you're laying down next to somebody and you don't necessarily want to wake them up, but you're having a conversation with them at the same time. So when I'm having to read something realistic, sometimes the lower end of my voice just sort of goes away. And it just becomes really, it just becomes really subtle. And because that's what they're looking for. They're like, oh man, I want that everyday sounding guy. So it's just like, they go, okay, can we, that, that was good. But could you, and this is a true story too. Could you say um, fresh parpadella pasta like maybe 10 times and we'll just pick the one we like. Like fresh parpadella pasta, fresh parpadella pasta, fresh parpadella pasta. Fresh parpadella pasta. I mean, it's just over and over and over again. And that's when being able to really play into your voice random generator that exists in any voice actor's head really comes in handy. I do ads for a grocery store in town every week. I do their their weekly specials. You know, stop by Ralph's this week for broccoli at $2 for whatever. You know, so you, you kind of have this range of emotion that you portray in your commercial reads. You know, bright and perky and authoritative. And like a little bit sexy and, um, you know, a little bit wry. It's her wry voice that's really put Sissy on the map. She used it as the basis for her award-winning portrayal of Delilah in Firewatch, a first-person mystery video game set in the Wyoming wilderness. As the player, you go to work as a fire spotter, and Delilah is your boss. You never see her, so your entire relationship is over a two-way radio. Well, Delilah's pretty much me. She's a little more flirty. Um, she loves her puns, but, you know, she's just kind of a wild card. You never know what she's going to say. She's funny. She's witty. She doesn't care what people think about her, um, which is what I loved about her so much. And my favorite thing about the game is that you had to decide as a player how to feel about her just based on her personality. I also did a, a game right after Firewatch called Adrift. So in Firewatch, you have pretty much me talking nonstop for six hours. And then in Adrift, I'm an astronaut who wakes up in a space station that is destroyed, and I have to figure out what's happened and how to get home. And it's basically me mouth-breathing for six hours. <sighs> yeah, <clears throat> I almost passed out during that session. 
The amount of control a voice actor has to have over their face and body is pretty surprising. And doing what it takes to get the performance right can be interesting. Some people will go, oh, I need a trailer voice done, a kind of a voiceover thing. And I'll say, have to go, coming this Friday. Whenever I do the trailer voice type voice, I always add a lot, like this weird growl to my voice. Because it's one thing I noticed about Don LaFontaine's voice. Don LaFontaine is possibly the most famous voice in movie trailers. He's the one known for the phrase, In a world. This fall, the creative team behind 24 takes suspense to a whole new level. Dogs will wear glasses, frogs will swing, and mom's special home-cooked Sunday night spaghetti and meatball dinner will be a blast. It's not that it was like the deepest voice in the world. It's just he had this ability to, to send sound through his nose no matter what he was saying. If it was a vowel or a consonant... He always had something going through his nose. That was his signature. That's what, that's what made it so cool. But the voice of God narration, as it's referred to in the industry, isn't the only thing that voice actors get hired to do in trailers. There might be a line or two in a trailer that sounds like the star of the film, but it isn't always that person. A lot of times when they're writing a trailer, they need a single line of dialogue to make the trailer cohesive. But to bring in the celebrity is crazy expensive, so they bring me in, or, you know, someone like me. So I do Penelope Cruz. Um, I also do Charlize Theron. When she's not available, I come in and do her very British kind of sound. Um, or Rebel Wilson! Uh, you know, so it's just kind of all over the board. It's like whatever you can match, you, you get paid to do. Most of us don't think about our voices on a daily basis what they can do, and what we can do with them. But for some, it's their livelihood. And they educate, inspire, and entertain us every day. Twenty Thousand Hertz is presented by DeFacto Sound, a sound design team that makes sounds like this. This. And this. For advertisements, trailers, TV shows, games, and tons of other things. Check out more and see the videos associated with these sounds at defactosound.com. This episode was produced by Mylon Fitzwater Barrows. And me. With help from Sam Sneebly. It was mixed by Jai Berger. The music in this episode is from Musicbed. They represent more than 650 great artists, ranging from indie rock and hip-hop to classical and electronic. Head over to music.20k.org to hear our exclusive playlist. If you have not connected with us on Facebook or Twitter, go do it. I love hearing feedback and chatting about the show. Also, while you're at it, please tell your friends. The only way someone will know about this show is if you tell them. We go to great lengths to keep this show clean, so feel free to tell your parents or people you'd like to introduce to podcasting. We've also made a little donation link at donate.20k.org if you'd like to contribute to the production costs of the show. I'll put these links plus everything else in the show description, which if you're not in the habit of looking at, I highly recommend. We put tons of relevant and follow-up information in there. Check it out. Thanks for listening. 